Well, as we uh, get moving into a new year, it's kind of one of those kind of goofy times, right? It's the time after Christmas and all the stuff has happened, and then we start looking into, you know, what's the next year, what's going to go on from there and go from there. I have just a couple of things I want to think about and have have us ponder a little bit, consider a little bit about how we enter into 2022. Uh, and for that, I want to read a passage for us and then just have a couple things that I want us to consider, some things I want us to think about for us individually, for us maybe as a family, but also as a church, what does it look like for us? So I want us to think about this as I read the passage. I want you to think about you as an individual, then you and, and your family uh, network, and then us as a church family and how this passage may help give us some clarity about what we do as we enter into a new year. Uh, so I'm going to use a passage from the Older Testament uh, prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29. And if you've been around church uh, for any length of time or maybe you've done your own study, then a lot of people have Jeremiah 29, 11 uh, in their minds. And they're thinking about, oh, I know that passage. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and plans to give you hope and a future. And all that stuff. And, and that's a wonderful passage that's worthy of us studying and trying to figure out. Uh, we're not going to do that today, but it's a good passage to think about. It's a good passage to, to think about what God was, is meaning in that part. We are going to look at Jeremiah 29, but we're going to look at the few verses before that more well-known passage. A little part that we're going to look in verses 4 through 7. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. And hopefully this gives us a little bit of understanding of what we can do as we lead into a new year in 2022. So Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7, uh, it writes this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now at this point in the history of the Hebrew people, they had been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. If you know part of that story, they were taken by Nebuchadnezzar from their homeland and brought into Babylon. They had been exiled. They were not in their place that God had promised them. They were not in the place that God desired them to be. They were exiled. They were taken captive there. And the question on people's mind was, what are we supposed to do when we live in exile? How are we to live? How are we going to govern our lives when we're not where God wants us? Where we know God wants us to be here, but we're not there. We're taken captive into Babylon. What are we to do? And there were some that were in that time that would say, well, just kind of wait it out. Let's just kind of wait it out. and We'll return back to normal eventually. Just kind of wait this thing out and it'll kind of get there. So just kind of sit there and just be kind of passive and don't do too much great. Don't just, just don't make any ruffles. Just kind of wait for a minute. Just be passive there. And yet Jeremiah had a different perspective. Jeremiah heard something different from God. Jeremiah's message to the people of his day that had been captive into the land of exile into Babylon was not be set back in passive. 
but to be active and to continue to live and continue to be the people that God is calling you to be. And this passage, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, was broken up into two parts, and I think that's really helpful for us as we think about our life into 2022. I think that they're instructive for us, they're inspirational for us to how we might live into a new year. And see, the first part of this passage deals with our personal lives, that we ought to be proactive in the way in which we live. He says you ought to continue to build houses and settle down and get married and have children, increase, be fruitful, flourish, live your lives, do well, he says, where you are, while it may not be where you want to be, where it may not be where you think God has for you, do well right where you are. Plant where you are, live where you are, eat what your garden gives you, do well, be fruitful and multiply. Don't decrease, but increase and be fruitful right there. And then the second part of that passage deals with us communally and how we look at the city in which we are exiled. How are they to deal with the Babylonians and the exiled people, their neighbors that had just taken them into captivity, what they were supposed to do with them? And Jeremiah says that God tells us to pray for prosperity or for goodness, for peace in the city in which you live. Don't neglect your neighbors and those around you. Don't wait for them to just kind of go away so you can go back to your own stuff, but to pray for the goodness and the peace and the, to use a Bible word, the shalom or the wholeness to happen in your city. In your city. And he says, for when the city does well, you do well. For when the city flourishes, you flourish, and you will reap the benefits of being in a good, peaceful, just kind of place. And I think this is a good uh, word for us as we look into the year 22, as we think back on 21, as we look into what would God have for us in 22. Because for those of us who claim Christ as our King, our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah, for those of us who claim to follow Jesus, well, then our citizenship is in heaven. And one day we, exp we experience his fullness when it fully comes in all of its manifestations. So we, we long for that day. Our, our citizenship is, is in heaven with God in his heavenly places. But right now we're not living in that place yet. So right now we are sort of exiles. We're sort of, we're not the place that God desires us to ultimately reside for the rest of eternity. We're not quite there yet. We've got glimpses of it along the way, but we're not there yet. So how are we to live if we could see ourselves while our primary citizenship is in heaven, that right now we're exiled to this place? How is it that we are to live? Well, I believe that God's word for us is to flourish right where you are. Seek to live faithfully, li faithful lives right where you are. In the book of Jeremiah, right, he says to build houses, settle down, marry, have children, have your children, have children, increase in number, do well right where you are. Don't simply long for the day where you'll leave and go someplace else, but do well right where I have you planted right where I have you established. And this, by the way, reflects the original call of humanity back in the Garden of Eden, right? When God says, be fruitful and multiply. Take care of, be responsible for the earth. Be fruitful right where you are. 
It's the same mandate he gives to the patriarchs in the Older Testament, the fathers of our faith, to Abraham, right? He says, I'm going to have a a place for you, and I'm going to grow you. I'm going to flourish you so that you will bring blessing to all the peoples, all the world. The plan and God's mission all along was to use people to extend his peace and goodness and just and righteousness to all the world, to calm the chaos that is happening by a people who are established in his love and his goodness and his mercy. But when this prophet was, when Jeremiah was writing his message from God, the Hebrew people were far from where God had said they were going to be, far from the land God had promised them. They were living in exile. And so the temptation for them was to do one of two things, really. Either to sit back and just kind of wait, believing that all that chaos and mess will blow over soon enough and they'll, they'll kind of be able to do whatever they want to do. Or the other thing would be to become bitter and antagonistic and just kind of angry all the time at their situation. Well, Jeremiah offers us a third option. Jeremiah offers us an option to flourish and grow and do well. Don't get encumbered with bitterness and anger and resentment and and being antagonistic, but learn to grow and plant right where you are. To not just sit back passively, wait for it all to kind of blow over, but to flourish right where you are. In other words, become in exile what God desires you to be in the place he is going to bring you. Become the kind of person that God intends you to be, but become it in the very present, not longing for when it will finally come one day, one day, one day, but learn to be today. God desires us to experience a goodness and joy and laughter and celebration and pancakes with peanut butter and syrup on them. (laughs) Right? But the only place we experience all the joy and the celebration and all that is in the present. Because that's the only time we have. We don't have the future. We're not promised that. And you can't live in the past. The only place you experience the joy and the goodness and the celebration is the right here, right now. So as long as you're living for one day, we'll be here. One day, we'll have kids. Or one day, we'll have no kids. One day, we'll have a quiet house. One day, one day. As long as you're living for a one day, You'll miss the joy of today. You'll miss the blessing of today. And if you're living on, well, it used to be, and well, we used to do, if you're living in those things, then you'll miss the joy and the wonder and the goodness of the present. The message from God in Jeremiah, I think, is a a fitting message for us too. While you may not be exactly where you feel like God is going to bring us, let's not live in the one day. And let's not live in the we used to's. For this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. The 11 o'clock service is coupled just two days ago. We took a family picture, as many of you did. And I got my email like you guys got your email. And I got my picture, or I got our picture. And I couldn't help myself, so I started going back and looking at all of our other family pictures that we've taken over the years here at the church, back in the corners. And I couldn't help myself thinking about how quickly I feel like our kids are changing and growing and getting bigger and it just seems like, you know, you blink and they start getting bigger. Gina and I stay the same, which is kind of weird. It's just kind of funny. 
We stay the same, but the kids kind of change, which is kind of weird. It doesn't seem like they're changing in the midst of it, right? But you look back just a year ago or just a few months ago, and you go, wow, things have really changed. Things have really changed. And I don't want to get, you know, all sentimental and all that kind of stuff, but I don't want to miss the gift of the present with my kids, with Gina, with you, or with God, because I'm either waiting for some day in the future or I'm living stuck in the past. But I want to learn to enjoy the today. The today. I want to learn to find joy and goodness and peace. I want to learn to be the kind of person God desires us to be in his full kingdom, but I want to learn to be in that today. That's why Jeremiah says, while you're in exile, while you may not be where you want to be, where you may not be where you feel like God is calling you to be, flourish, do well, find joy and goodness. That's the front part of this passage, right? Flourish, multiply, do well, settle in, build houses, do all that God is going to call you to do. Do it right there. But then there's a second part of this passage. And that's for the follower of Jesus that we realize that our life is not solely about us and about our flourishing, about us doing well. But we live with our eyes towards the city that we live in and the community that we live in, the neighborhoods that we live in, the townships that we live in, the, the state that we live in, the country that we live in. So we live with our eyes not just on our flourishing, but on the flourishing of those around us. As the Apostle Paul would tell us, that we not only look to our own needs, but to the needs of others. So as followers of Jesus, our desire is to be used by God to bring goodness and peace and shalom and joy and, fru and, and, and uh, flourishing to those around us. So we bring goodness to others. And we're, we're going to spend some time in the new year as we study the book of Titus together. We're going to look a little bit more about what that looks like for us. How do we bring good to those around us? But in this Jeremiah passage in particular, we're exhorted to seek the prosperity and the peace of the city in which we are living. To pray for it and for its leaders and for the people in our city that they would feel good and they would find joy and they would feel blessed by God. Because human flourishing is a communal project. When others flourish, we flourish. When we experience goodness and blessing, it, it overflows into other people. So when our community at large is healing and is bringing wholeness and goodness and joy and all the rest of it, then we experience it ourselves. And so we pray for our city, our community, our town, our area. Living into 2022, this is, we're not going to look to just ourselves, to just flourish ourselves, but we seek to extend that flourishing, extend that goodness and that blessing to our surrounding community. That's one of the reasons why I get so jazzed about what God is doing in and through you guys and the sacrificial giving, not only through the year and offering, but for this next building campaign, or not campaign, but you know, expansion stuff that we're going to do. Because not, not all of that is about growing ourselves. While we want to flourish in our families and we want to see healing and rest, restoration and forgiveness offered in our own families, we desperately want to be positioned as a church to bring that blessing to our community, to bring that blessing out into our neighborhoods, to provide quality, Christ-centered childcare on our campus for many people who need it, to equip marriages through premarital counseling and training and retreats this year to help our young people 
find their identity in Christ through youth programs and relationships, to continue the conversation about racial diversity and reconciliation and forgiveness that needs to happen in our greater city and the greater community, to further the reach of the church, to reach out to our neighborhood and to find goodness and forgiveness and flourishing. This is why, by the way, we're not just so concerned about us, but we're committed to supporting local ministries and agencies that bring goodness and hope, healing, restoration, forgiveness in our city. Some that are tied to our church, some that are not. Heartbeat of Lima that cares for young children, young women who find themselves pregnant and in need of care. Lima Rescue Mission that cares for men that need a place to stay and a warm meal. Cornerstone of Hope that offers holistic counseling and healing to people of all ages. Around Soldiers of Honor that provides uh, youth boxing opportunities for people in our region to bring them to a place where relationships and, and self-confidence and self-improvement there. And while we want to grow, while we as our individual families, while I want to grow and while I'd love to have our family to grow and while we would love our church family to grow, we don't want to just grow personally. Our church wants to grow out into the community. We realize that our church does not primarily or exclusively exist for church people, but we exist to bring a blessing to the community. We exist to live our lives the way Jesus would live our life and learn to be the kind of people where God is planting us that brings the goodness of God's kingdom out into the community. We exist to be an outpost, sending ourselves into the neighborhoods and workplaces and places that we can find ourselves. Sometimes we say it this way around the church. Right? We, we seek to receive a blessing, but to be a blessing in the community. Seek to be a blessing. See, much of what we have planned for this whole building stuff and the, the renovation and expansion of our building, much of what we have planned is not just for what we do on Sunday mornings for our worship. Most of what we have planned is to be a blessing in the community, to pray for our community, to be an agent and an outpost that hope and healing and reconciliation, forgiveness would be offered and people would find goodness and joy right where they are. Right where they are. So I want this Jeremiah 29 principle to not only be ours as families, as individuals, but this is our principle for the church to flourish, to grow, to, to have deeper relationships with Jesus, but to pray and to grow and to see blessing in the community at large, the community outside of it. So while we do that as an organization, as a church, as we're supporting these, these institutions, these organizations, as we do these things with programs and, and bring people into our community and to our place to be able to find hope and healing, what can you do, what can I do as an individual? Not only do we seek to be a blessing or, or to receive God's blessing, but how can we be a blessing into the community? And, and for this, I'm sure you got like great suggestions you probably have better suggestions than I can come up with but I'm going to give you three very simple things that we can do leading into 22 just simply with the mind to be a blessing into our community very simple not earth-shattering not like rocket science kind of thing but the first one let's just choose to be good neighbors to the people that live around us whether they're really close to us or they're maybe a mile or two between us Let's choose to be good neighbors to those that are right next to us, right near us. We take care of our yards. 
I mean, just mowing our grass and taking care of the maintenance and landscaping of our, of our yard just is a good neighbor thing to do, to beautify the neighborhood, to take care of things. Let's just take care of that. If you happen to live in a neighborhood, drive slowly in the neighborhood. Watch out for the kids that may be walking or they want walking their dog around a little bit. Drive a little bit slower. Just wave a little bit. Be a good neighbor. If you don't happen to live in a specific neighbor like that, or maybe this is for all of us really, get to know the specific names of the people that are living right near you and pray specifically for them by name. What they're going through, what they're having. Praying for them is a real easy way for us to seek blessing in their life. Seek goodness and, and joy in their life. Let's, let's all just kind of take 22, right? And let's push against the temptation to just kind of drive into our house, up our driveway, and open up the garage door, pull into the garage door, shut the garage door, go into the house and never talk to our neighbor. Let's be good neighbors. Let's walk down to our mailbox. Let's get the mail for or pull the trash can up for our neighbor. Let's be good neighbors. Let's go and talk with them and interact with them. Whether they're right next door neighbors or they're maybe a mile or two away from you, let's learn to just commit ourselves to be good neighbors. What would that look like for us to be a good neighbor? Second suggestion, I told you not rocket science, right? First one, be a good neighbor. Second one, tip well when you go out. Tip well. Nate, my son, is a, is a server at Bob Evans now at Cable Road. Go see him and tip well. Right? There's been a stereotype of church people that's as, as old as they come, but it's still pretty valid at times that the worst time to be a server in a restaurant is Sunday after church. Because church people tend to be noisy, messy, and they don't leave good tips. It's just a stereotype that unfortunately is there and is true at times. But just imagine going to a place and you want to seek goodness, not just to your neighbors that are around you, but to those that are serving you at the restaurant that you go to. So when you pray for your meal as it gets delivered to you, and you pray for your meal, pray for the server who brought it to you. Pray for the cooks that you're never going to see. Just pray for them. That God's goodness would be in their life. And when you leave, don't leave a big massive mess. And leave a good tip. Don't go skimpy on it. Bring a good tip. And if, and if you can't do it, then bum some tips from the guys next to you. Make sure you get some extra tip. But tip well. It just does, it's just a simple thing that we can do. Be a good neighbor to the people near you and seek goodness in the restaurant that you go to, wherever it is, and seek the tip well uh, and do a good job there, right? I told you these aren't rocket science things. And the last suggestion, you're going to go, yeah, that makes sense too. Third suggestion, find a place to serve this year. Find a way to serve. At work, serve the coworkers. At school, serve your teachers and your, and your classmates. At home, serve your parents. Colin, serve your parents. Do well. <laughs> Do well. Serve. Find a way to serve. See, when you're praying for your neighbors that are right next door to you or a mile away from you, when you know their name and you know what's going on in them, then it's be, the, nat the next natural step is to find a way to serve. You find out something's going on with them. You find out that they're recovering from a shoulder or replacement, replacement surgery. 
Well, then you come over and you serve. Find out how can I meet their need that they have. A server that comes and brings your food and you're, now all of a sudden they're not just someone who's bringing you food, but they're a real person that you're seeking to bring blessing to them. How can you serve them? By cleaning up your mess a little bit, by taking things to the trash a little bit, by wiping down your own table, doing those things. You don't have to do that. But find a way to serve. Find a way to serve. See, Jeremiah's message to the people in exile was don't wait for some day later and don't live in the past, but learn to sink down and sink your roots down, flourish, do well. Seek to grow, not decrease, but seek to increase and grow, but do it in such a way that you bring goodness and joy and peace and even prosperity to those around you. It's not just a selfish growing, but grow in such a way that the goodness overflows to the people nearest you, your neighbors, your coworkers, your teachers, your other classmates, your family, and even those that are serving you at the table. So let's be people that flourish where we are and to give that blessing to those around us. I think if we do that, 22 will be a year where we'll come to the end and we'll see God's goodness in our own life and in the lives of others around us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we're humbled and grateful for you today as we celebrated your birth and however we did yesterday morning with Christmas decorations and songs and presents and all the other traditions that we may have. Center our thoughts and our hearts on you and the way that we may be faithful to you. Pray that you would help us to be uh, recipients of your goodness, but that we would uh, overflow that to those around us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.